Hello and welcome to the Bucket List Board Gamers, the podcast where board gamers come together to talk about board games. Uh, my name is Luke Pickles and with me are the fancy Kay Brown. Good morning. And the artisan Jay Davis. Hello. There you go, I've given you much more grand titles than <laughs> perhaps either of you were expecting at this time of the morning. Let's talk about today's game. Designed by Manny Vega and published by Cardboard Alchemy and Lucky Duck Games, this worker placement with a twist has players diving into the world of dragon and human cooperation, where the dragons help the humans in their craft. Today's game is Flamecraft, the beautiful Kickstarter game that delivered late 2022, and I am quite frankly buzzing to talk about this one because it is a joy. Before we get into the gameplay and we sort of talk about what we think about it, it, this is one of the things that a lot of people talked about when it first came out, that's artwork. Sandra Tang, she did a wonderful job on the art there. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, I think it's fair to say the artwork was what drew me in initially. There's a lot of merchandise surrounding the artwork as well, which has sold ridiculously well and still continues to do so now. So I think that's a testament to, to just how good the, the artwork and the style of it all is and the fact that it's very easily turned into plushies and pin badges mm. and stickers and god knows what else is just i don't know if that was what they had in mind when they designed it but it certainly lends itself very well to to merchandise in it and i think i mean i've ordered a couple of the plushies that have come available since uh, i'm just waiting for the other ones to do the same thing hopefully they will but yeah it's just <laughs> it, it's such a, a i don't know what the term would be but it, it's quite warming and welcoming just to see the imagery and it, it sort of evokes this quaint little village where all this is going on and it just yeah it's it's one of the things that won me over straight away and then it, it helps that it's backed up by really good gameplay because I've bought some games before completely based on box art that have been mm -hmm. absolutely terrible so it's nice that it has that to back it up as well. Yeah, I think it's the, art, it's the artwork itself as well it it speaks to a wide audience and even the those don't really go for the visual side of things, that kind of cute warmness, the joy, any age group, I mean, our children, they absolutely love it. As soon as it's it's opened, you can see them just lighting up just to see the components coming out of the box. And I mean, we love it so much. We have it on permanent display in the house just because to look at it, it makes you happy. And to back what Jay was saying, yeah, it's even better the fact that you've got this amazing artwork, but also, the gameplay is just as equally as as good as the artwork and, mm. and it's a great game to play and just it's, it's joyful and it's wonderful and really like it it's absolutely a cozy theme like you could imagine living in that world and go, just you know going down the coffee shop and going right i fancy some sort of pastry uh a creme brulee perhaps and the small little <laughs> the man comes out with his little dragon on it and just burns <laughs> the creme brulee in front of you and just go yeah this is where i want to live this is nice yeah, um, but as you say, there's a lot of the, the merchandise around it certainly helps, I think. I think that helps ingratiate people who are not necessarily into the hobby. Because if you just go, here's this really cute dragon thing. Oh, where's that from? Oh, it's from this game, Flamecraft. You know, it looks... Yeah. Just bring more people in. They're the, like the, the Kickstarter components as well. are so nicely mm. done. Uh, the coins in particular. The yeah. When I played it, the first time I played it was um, Nick, who's also... A member of our podcast group, who I'm sure you'll hear in upcoming episodes, he we met up with him in a cafe because while we were on holiday and we were around where he lives, and he brought it with him, and that was my first experience. And he got the Kickstarter one with all the bells and whistles and the little wooden uh, components and the metal coins mm -hmm. and the 
the the 3D model dragons, dragons yeah yeah and and as soon as I saw all that I was like this is amazing and I wanted it and then he was like oh I can't get it anymore what you joking he's like no no the, this was Kickstarter exclusive stuff and I was like I can't I looked at the base game and it was the base game's really cheap isn't it I think it's like forty quid for the base one with all the cardboard components like yes. that is a really good price for that game but I can't do it I can't play this game with cardboard coins now I've played it with metal coins. So I was yeah. just hell-bent on getting a copy of it, and it was before they'd released all the components individually to buy. So I ended up paying an exorbitant amount to get it off eBay from America uh, just to get a copy of the Kickstarter version, which I I looked at it and I worked it out, and I think I paid about 30 quid more than it would have been to back it on Kickstarter. So it wasn't the end of the world. Um, but no. it's just I'm, I'm sort of scared to play it now because it costs so much. It's sat on the on the shelf and we don't play it very often because I'm scared I'm going to damage something, but I'm sure that'll pass with time. Well, that's it. When I remember you telling me your story about Flamecraft and I was almost hesitant to tell you my story and how I got Flamecraft because I was working over in Essen last year and it was just on the back of the Flamecraft hype and I was lucky enough to be working opposite the Lucky Duck stand. <laughs> and they were setting it up and I could see they got copies of Flamecraft and the prices were going up and they had the they said they got the Kickstarter exclusives. Now they didn't have them all, so they didn't have the pink dragon, the fancy dragon, mm. and they didn't have the plushies, etc. But they had the base game and all the components. So I neighbourly went over just to have a little chat and say, introduce myself and just say hi, oh gosh, you guys have done so well with this game. I'd be really interested to see how you get on. I wouldn't mind a copy myself, I'll try and pop over. And get one now. I looked at the price, and I thought, "Gosh, you know what? Maybe that was a bit of a big purchase to be making the first day of Essen." I've got, my, I know my budget, so let's not get too mm-hmm. carried away. So then, worked all day. There was a queue all day on the Lucky Duck stands for everybody wanting to purchase Flamecraft, and it was continuous. And they sold out almost immediately every day of, of every of the uh, copies that they had. But at the end of the first day, I went over to say, "Oh gosh, you know, how was your day?" And the guy said, "Oh, it was amazing." By the way, I saved you the Kickstarter uh, version of Flamecraft. And I was like, oh, you didn't, did you? I was like, it was like, yeah, I've saved it for you. He went, I've got all the components. It's all here for when you want it. So then I felt, oh, I had to go and buy it then. I felt obliged to. I think I paid 98 euros for oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then so it was, from looking back now, it feels like an absolute steal for what, it feels like it's it's kept its value yeah. but i did walk over a little bit to my partner and was like oh yeah i might have blown my budget <laughs> on this one game <laughs> but we, we got we got it home and you know it was first to the table and the moment we opened the box it was just amazing i didn't regret a single thing and i've been lucky enough to get hold of a pink fancy dragon mm-hmm. uh, two days ago which has been dispatched so i'm quite looking forward to that joining the collection as well because that seems to be the rarest thing at the moment to get hold of yeah. as well as some of the merchandise I, I got it with the Kickstarter, so I, I can't you know relate to the uh, the panic of getting it because I secured that <laughs> fairly early on into the Kickstarter. Like I want one of the things, and anyone who's listening that is doing a Kickstarter, please for the love of God, put out some form of playthrough video because that's what's going to get me to buy your game. Because if I see a playthrough video being done by someone like the Brothers Murph or uh, Before You Play or, you know, things like that, then I am more likely to go, oh, this is a game that I'm interested in. Let's find out more about the play. And then I'm more likely to actually pull the trigger and do the purchase because we did that. We watched a playthrough of Flamecrafting Down. I do not remember who did it on the Kickstarter off the top of my head. But I played it through and 
like we've watched the video and it's like, oh, this is a good worker placement game. It's a solid little semi-engine builder in a sense, uh, because you're building up with these different dragons that come out. We'll get into the gameplay in just a second. But this looks really good. And I mean, I, I paid the Kickstarter price for it, which was 60 odd dollars or something like that, plus shipping all those various bits and pieces. So, you know, is what it is. But it's like, yeah, it, it just tied me in almost immediately. And it's a good one for me and my partner because she loves the, the cute theme on it. We took it yeah. with us to uh, Aircom back in March. And we'd only ever played it at two. We got to play it at four whilst we were there. And it's like, Oh, this scales really well. Like, there's no yeah. problems with this game scaling at all. So let's talk about that gameplay. Let's go into that. So ultimately, as I said, it was a it's a worker placement game where you're taking our dragons to the shops to do one of two different actions. We're either gathering resources when we're playing a dragon and then triggering an ability of a dragon at that shop and the shop's own ability, if it has one, or we're enchanting the shop and powering it up so that we get better resources later on and then triggering all the dragons or flaming the dragons that are there and using all their abilities. Which I think is a really neat way of doing things. It's like you have two options and then you just need to figure out how you want to combo things to get your resources to do what you need to do. Which I think is is really neat and elegant. And the way that it scales with more players, I think makes sense. It just, just adds more dragons into the deck and just the deck gets a little bit bigger so the game lasts a little bit longer. I think is, is pretty cool. Um, but it's, there's nothing difficult there. I think it's a very good entry level. Yeah, yeah, that was my experience with it. it was, it's very, very simple to pick up, but there is quite a lot of strategy that can be employed at the same time, depending on what cards you get in your hand, depending on where other dragons are at the time. And yeah, there was a lot of big swings in the first game we played. Like one person was miles ahead and then somebody pulls out a, a move that ends up really swinging the balance and they jumped ahead and it it was one of those where it, we literally were adding things up at the end and we didn't really know who was going to win which is always better than when one person just flies out the blocks and you don't see them for dust and that's it the game's over so yeah I, I really appreciate that i think it's an easy sell like you said with the the artwork and stuff it's an easy one to sell to people just based on how it looks and it's really easy to explain how it works as well you only really need one or two rounds and you've seen everything that there is to do it's just then working out the best way to do it so yeah i think it's a really good entry level one and that's what we use it for we if there's anyone that's not really that big into games it's like oh let's play this one because it looks great and it's fun and i'm sure you'll be able to pick it up no problem so hmm. that's it was, it was an easy teach to our kids as well so our um we have two 10 year olds and one 13 year old and they absolutely loved it they picked it straight away now they are gamers, so they do play a lot more complex games. So they are playing like the, the, not, the non-family edition, so the regular edition of Agricola and making us sweat as parents to get a win. So they do make us work for it. But even they, they enjoyed it. They enjoyed the simpleness. They enjoyed the, the little bit of complexity that you get by just combining the cards and the combinations and realising, oh gosh, I can do this now and that means I can do this. And they really, really enjoy it. And I think for me, the replayability of it it's great mm. for teaching new gamers i th would be interested to know if they're going to do anything else with it so are they going to add something that gives it a little bit more complexity for those that want to keep playing the game because they like it aesthetically or are they going to keep it that simple gameplay and just add a few more elements or just keep it as it is as the joyous game that it is and just 
continue to let it sell itself based on its just joyfulness of it all. I think that's a I think that's a really good point because the from the contents of the box and the way that insert is set out, there is scope for expansions to be put in there. Like there's more than enough slots for the different cards to go in there and for more things to come in. And I mean, as you say, there's a lot of variety. There's all sorts of different shops that you can put in there. There's the two different levels of difficulty in the enchantments that you can do. There is definitely scope for things to go in there. So what sort of things would you like to see in a expansion to Flamecraft? Flamecraft 2, the more flames, more <laughs> crafting. <laughs> I think for, for me, that because when we very first played it, Nick took out all the basic shops and we only had the, the more complex shops in there. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is a more fun way to do it because... I think in the instructions you lay out the shops, the simplistic ones first, don't you? And then you can bring yes. in the more complicated ones later. He literally just started with the more complicated shops. He's like, we've, we've played it quite a bit and this is how we found it's a bit more fun to start with stuff that's a bit more advanced. So yeah, yeah I think, I, think it, that is, I was just going to say an easier variant, way yeah. would be to just put more shops in that had more complicated mechanics or differing mm -hmm. mechanics. And then you can, I mean, you could even sort of put together your own little play pack, couldn't you? So pick all the shops out that you prefer and only use those ones or mm. pick out the shops that make it a bit more difficult and only use those ones and, and that kind of thing. So there is a lot of way to adapt the, the base game. But yeah, I think if you were doing like a, a version two or an expansion, stick in some different variants of shops, some different, um, I forget what they're called now, but the cards that, that you cash in at the end, you know, for doing certain things. You could put more of those in and more complicated ones of those for people to aim for if they wanted more of a challenge. Yeah, I think given the nature of the game and the nature of the audience that plays it as well now, I have a very, towards co-op and cooperative play, I have a very, my experience of cooperative play has been, been quite a negative one in quite a lot of aspects because I always feel like there's always quite a dominant player that overtakes the cooperative play. However, mm. I do know the popularity of it and given the nature of the game and the family game, I think a safe route for them to go down was to have the cooperative element. So maybe all the dragons have to complete a certain goal to be able to win the game, etc. That might be a nice and natural transition for them, for the family game players and for the cosy game players that just want that kind of warm fuzzy feeling still and to feel mm. like they're achieving a goal. For myself, I think absolutely some more complicated uh, mechanics in there with the shops, giving some more ways to score. I've not really thought about any extra elements you can add into it because it just seems like another element might throw the, the balance quite significantly. But for me, I think to keep going back to it, it just needs that little bit of something. I think I've probably got about a few more games played. I'll be like, Do you know what, it's one for the kids and I feel like I've maxed out my, my playability in it. So mm -hmm. it just needs to keep it a little bit fresh. I th they have got some promotional shops that the American yes. store um, have just released from. They were Kickstarter left. They were left on the Kickstarter copies, so it'd be quite nice to see maybe some of those filter into the UK, or maybe some print and play shops. It'd be quite fun keeping out on the, um, the Facebook community as well because they've got a huge Facebook community of yeah. hand painted dragons and it's and all sorts and if they you know some fan made shops were in there that might be quite interesting to try and play with as well mm. yeah. I, for me I'd like to see I think probably the easy one to do would be some hybrid dragons or dragons with different abilities and variant abilities for the artisan dragons that come out that would be a a good easy route to go down so you've got a combination of red dragon and 
flint dragon or somehow they sort of come together and they they have different abilities that are from that cross pollination um, yeah alternate things from the fancy dragons as well because of those aspects of end game scoring or mid game scoring having some variety and abilities in those might be interesting just having some different ones. you've got the day ones of the dusk ones i believe day or night ones um so it might be interesting to see some other elements that come into that one but i, I agree there is a there is an element of completeness in the game in its own insulated sphere almost and yeah. you don't want to it's adding something to that that doesn't completely disrupt the balance i think a, the, the co-op idea is is an easy one to look at i mean you could almost make your own co-op one yourself if you really wanted to do it to to hit a target, a points target, and then you all work towards it. But I think the the co-op idea would be great because you, you would be thinking a couple of turns ahead, if I put my dragon in this shop, then somebody else can come to this shop and trigger this, this, and this, and then it's going to help us in our collective goal. So yeah, I think the co-op thing would be really easy for them to in- implement. They, they wouldn't even have to sell you anything new, really, would they? It would just literally be a new set of rules that they could they could put out. Um, so I think that's a good one. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you both mean about it feels like it's where it needs to be already and mm. throwing a completely new element in there has the potential to break what is a pretty solid game already. Yeah, I was thinking about all the games I've comp- that I've played recently that I could compare it to that then had an expansion that it felt like the game was almost complete but the expansion actually made it a little bit better. And I think the one that keeps popping to mind is Bunny Kingdom. I don't know if you've I've not played that. that. No, so, I haven't. Oh, it, it's great. It's great fun, and it's it's again, it's aesthetically pleasing from the box. The box art's really nice, and you get you get loads of tiny little plastic bunnies in the corner that you're playing with, and it's a bit of a a chess kind of game in the way that you um you pick the coordinates of where you want to place your token, but and your cards will say D three, for example, you'll place it on there, or place it on a, a piece of grass, etc. And you'll it's a land an area control game in which you're trying to a bit it's very similar to king domino where you're trying to get that extra different combinations of land together yeah. and it scores different points and then they and it seemed very complete in the way they played but again it felt like it would outstay its welcome and they brought in another expansion and that adds in new elements to it so they had like new buildings you could get and um, they had a different um, board and it just worked it was cozy it was warm and it just made that a little bit better so i think executed right the opportunities there and I, and personally i think it's been such a success story flame craft they they need to do something else with it i think yeah don't go wrong i think it's probably got a lot of longevity in it and it will continue to sell itself but i think it's a, a bit of a cash grab for them basically would be just to do something that little bit extra with it and everybody go go crazy for it so it's, it's a bit of a given whether they will or not be interesting i do like the idea of combo dragons that you had luke the yeah. ones that you have more than one even if it wasn't that they do two things but maybe you have the choice of doing two things so you've got like a a meat and a bread dragon combo yeah. and then it's like you can either do the meat thing or you can do the bread thing it sort of expands your hand without having more cards in it because you've got mm-hmm. this card that's a bit more powerful and just adds a bit of an element but yeah i think as long as an expansion isn't intrusive and it just builds on what's already there so rather than including a brand new element just upgrade the yeah. elements that you're already playing with i think it'd work because me and Kay um played port royal a bit back and you've got oh, the expansion haven't you and we've not got the expansion you have and it 
I barely noticed it was there, but when it came out, it was quite useful. Mm. And I think that's almost what you want. It doesn't change the gameplay at all, but when those cards come out, they do sort of tweak the gameplay a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's interesting. I mean, one of the one of the big mysteries about this game, and there aren't many mysteries that I, that keep me up at night when it comes to board games. <laughs> this is one of them. The game plays one to five. So why are there six dragons in the base game? <laughs> Just and then right. seven with then seven with the fancy dragon that you can get as a as the Kickstarter extra. Why are there seven? And it's a one to it's a one to five play game. Maybe, Lucky Duck, get in touch. Well, yeah, maybe that's just their way of just giving that extra replayability, adding that extra dragon in. But as it, somebody that didn't back the Kickstarter and didn't get the fancy dragon, and Lucky Duck have pulled out an absolute blinder by creating a space for it for a completionist like myself. And I have craved that fancy dragon since the day I owned the game. So <laughs> I'm constantly like, anybody got, I've joined the crew, has anybody got a fancy dragon? Anybody selling a fancy dragon? And when I say I find when I say it drops at one o'clock in the morning from Cardboard Alchemy in the UK and I was messaging Jay going, Jay, just bagged us two fancy dragons. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> joking. But at the same time Jay was on his holiday buying the fancy dragons and plushies and We've both got the same yeah. mindset of like that we chuck them in the basket and we'll get them there. But that was just absolute genius. And whether it was, it must have been intentional because the FOMO that it created throughout the mm. whole of the board game industry that wanted that one pink dragon was ingenious. It doesn't even do anything special. It's just a player piece. And that's it's, it. That's the thing. It's like, and that's it the genius of it. <laughs> but it's that's... pink and that's what matters like people <laughs> want a pink dragon and that's all it is. but for me that's a real double-edged sword like as somebody who i would consider like a an out and out collector so if i get hmm. start collecting something i go mental with it so it was zippo lighters when i was a bit younger and i ended up with like hundreds of them and i don't even smoke and then it was funko pops I, for quite a while I, say, I don't know what you mean with the funko pops there's none of them on the wall behind you in boxes. <laughs> oh this that those boxes there are just full to the brim of them i've got like 500 nods scattered around the house so i've, I've gone a bit mad with that i've calmed down recently but yeah as a collector you could board games instead well, exactly, and it's finding room for everything now. Like we live in a bungalow, and it's bursting at this. It was bursting at the seams when we moved in, and we filled it up since then with stuff. So, well, I have. I'll not put that on my partner. It's me, solely me. But yeah, as a collector, it's like a double-edged sword for me because if I was a person who got that Kickstarter with the fancy dragon, and then they did a reissue of them, I'd be raging because I got it first, and it was rare, and it was really special. But as somebody who missed it, I'm really happy that they have reissued it because now I can get one. So it's one of those things that if you fall on one side of the fence, it's quite annoying. But if you fall on the other, it is a really nice thing to happen. However, they've been very clever in it not being a reissue. So when you go on the cardboard alchemy site, they've been very clear that it's it's Kickstarter. They've gone, they've they've made sure all the Kickstarters have landed, and this is oh, a surplus okay. stock. So it's they leftover said, stock. So yeah. it's leftover stock. Well, that's what they're saying is leftover stock. It may not be leftover stock, but. From working behind the scenes, you tend to find out that normally it is, and they, they know that there's demand for it. I know that they the tokens, the coins, you, you've been able to buy those anyway. Those yeah, were yeah. always intended to be those extras. It was just that one element, and the, the colouring books and the pins, they were a bit more exclusive, and mm. we are releasing them. But yeah, they had they did word it that it was leftover Kickstarter stock. Now, what will be interesting was to see what Lucky Duck has um, coming up and what they do with those leftover um, items of the future and if it does reappear the pink dragon i'm hoping they do a sparkly dragon 
Yeah. Or, and and that's crazy because going back to what Luke said, it doesn't really do. It adds nothing extra to the game other than its presence. And it and, looks nice. Yeah. And it looks nice. And I just think if you but if they turned around to me and said, "It's Christmas." And here is a Christmas collection of dragons, and they're all glittery and metallic. <laughs> yeah. I'll be sat there refreshing my screen. The date launches until I purchase it, and that's why I just anything that's marketed that way. I think credit to him; they've done a fantastic job. I wonder if that's why they only had the meat and the bread dragon plushies available. Maybe the others sold better, and these are the only two that were left over. Which, if is if that is true, I'll be annoyed because I can't get a full set now. But at the same time, I respect the fact that they're not remaking things and devaluing what already existed out there from which is nice memory from the kickstarter the bread and the meat dragons were the only ones that were available they were the only ones that right. were on offer oh, so okay i, I thought they'd done all of them there was as far as i remember there wasn't one for the forge uh the leaf or right. the others it was only those two well we know what um, the next step is then don't we we know what's on the yeah. way well that that could be a possibility so that might be something that comes with the expansion is just more dragons. It's just, yeah. They go from board games to cuddly toys, which is fine. You know, all those things. Yeah, I mean, we we come back to the art, I think, on this, because that's always something that draws up. And it's probably worth mentioning that this game was nominated for two Golden Geeks, and it won one of them this year. They were That was only released a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was nominated for Medium Game of the Year, and it was the winner of the Best board game artwork and presentation award for this year, for 2022 so that tells you something about how the community feels about yeah, this game and with, with with the results as well i think i would struggle to call it a medium game oh absolutely it's not a medium it's game. a top it's a lightweight game and a top you know top end lightweight game at most but it's definitely not a medium board game but again from if i brought somebody into the community and they were playing it for the first time, would they perceive it as a medium weight, potentially? You know, we're used to trying to look for those combinations and, you know, the layering on, I've got this card, I can play this one and that one, and getting all those um, different techniques. But mm. if someone new to the board game, it might say, oh gosh, that's a lot for me to, to take in. So I think from an outside perspective, yes, potentially as a medium weight, but from my, for myself, I'd definitely not put in that category. I think my barometer usually is, could I have taught this to myself? Or would I need somebody to show it me or watch a video? And mm. I think with Flamecraft, I could have easily picked it up just on the instructions. So yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say it was medium, just because I could probably figure it out. Whereas there's some games, I'll look at the instruction manual, I'll be like, no, I'm, I'm not. Just I can't figure it out just from this alone. I need to be watching someone explain it while yeah. I read through this. Or I'll go to K's and get them to explain it to me and, and play it with them instead, because they've pretty much played everything. So yeah, that's, uh, that's for me is the gauge. But I think this comes back to what you said earlier on, Luke, when you said about putting a Let's Play into the, the Kickstarter. Mm. I think you and me are very different because for you, that's like the priority. Whereas for me, and I'm doing it the wrong way, I completely admit that, you're doing it the right way. For me, I will look well, at a game and go, oh, that artwork's amazing, I'm just going to back it, and I won't even care what the gameplay is until it arrives, and then I figure out whether I like it or not because I'm just so won over by visuals and how things look and the theme and everything that I'll just go for it regardless and then hope the game's good. Whereas you're doing sure. it the right way and looking at the game, how it plays and whether you'd enjoy that and then deciding. Whereas I am too impulsive for my own good and will just go, oh, it's got pugs on it. I'm just going to back that and then <laughs> deal with the consequences later. So yeah, that's that's where I vary. And maybe when my shelf gets full and I have to start prioritising games that I like playing over games that look nice, 
I might mm. start being a bit more critical, but at the minute I'm in that phase of just, that looks nice, I'm going to buy it and I'll deal with that later. Yeah, I have to say as well, Jay, there's a whole world of games out there that don't look visually pleasing, but they play absolutely amazing. And I think... Oh, there's, yeah, Euro games in particular are... Some of them are hideous. I was talking to my friend about this yesterday. <laughs> like, some of them are beige and brown. Like, the Guild of Merchant Explorers, Tillotum, are two games that are visually not that impressive. But the gameplay is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I'm, I'm the same as you, Jay. I, from a vis visual perspective, I'm always a sucker for it. I'll, it'll always grab my attention. However, I, I think between me and my partner, we do play Devil's Advocate to each other. So sometimes I'll be like, that looks horrendous. They'll be like, no, give it a go. And I'll say, oh, this looks nice. I'm like, let's watch a video and let's see what we think of it before we go and purchase it. So we do get a bit of a balanced act. But yeah, we've bought a few games in the past that looked horrendous, what people have said. No, go buy it, it's fine. And then we got it to the table and thought, do you know what, we absolutely love this. But I think Carcassonne, going back to the previous episode, that was one that when you look at the box visually, you go, oh, what is this? Mm. Like, what have you brought to the table? But when once you get it out there, it's like, oh, you know what? It's not a bad game in this box at all. But it does look a little bit. It do, the visuals do put you off a little bit. Mm. Much like with me. Um. <laughs> I was just going to say, prime example at Aircon, I bought without knowing anything about it. I was helping out on the Zatu stand, and they got Dodo, and I was like, that box mm. looks amazing, and it says it's got a wobbly egg, and I was like, well. What, what more do you need for a game? So I went up and bought that, and then we went round the corner and watched how it was played after we'd bought it, which is obviously not the right way to do it. And I realised it's quite a young game, like it's for younger kids. And me and my yes. partner were stood watching it, and we're like, we're still going to have fun with it, but if I'd have seen it first, I don't know if I'd have bought it, because there isn't that much to it other than how the hell does this egg move? And like, what what is the mechanic inside that egg? That's the fascinating mm. bit for me. Um, but yeah, it is basically a matching and building game, isn't it? And I don't know if we'd have bought it for us too, because we don't have any kids, if, if we'd have seen it first. But the box just looks so good. And it looks nice on the shelf and, and whatnot. And it wasn't expensive. I think it was like 20 quid. So I'm, I'm willing to take a punt on something for 20 quid. Mm based on the fact it looks really cool. Uh, and it's a bit of a talking point. If people come around, we can get that out. And it is a bit of a fun sort of, not a party game, but it's fun with a big group when you're all frantically trying to build a bridge for an egg to go down. So what more do you want in a game, I suppose? Yeah, and I think, again, that's another one of those games where they've, with the, wibble, the wibbly-wobbly egg in Dodo, they've created this mystery of the egg. Now, on Board Game Geek, somebody has unfortunately an autopsy on said egg to kind of give an idea of what's <laughs> going on inside but it is a 10 minute game family game but i agree it is a game that you could play if you've got a group of friends and you're just looking for something quick and fun just to lighten the mood because they do championships and they do tournaments and to see who can actually mm. get the wibbly wobbly egg into the boat the fastest so there is a full element to it but it is one of those that you think it looks visually great and you get it home and you're a bit like okay this isn't it's no flame craft i think it's Quite far behind Playcraft. Yeah. Um, I, I think the more you've had to drink when you play it as well, the more fun <laughs> yeah. it potentially get. So it's one of those games. It's not meant to be a drunken party game, but it yeah. works quite well yeah. as one. Well. Uh, but no, I think this is something that I need to, I feel like I need to say to the audience and to everyone who's uh, paying attention to this at the moment. Imagine me standing in front of you, a six foot four godly figure, um, speaking to you now. There is no wrong way to enjoy this hobby. Just to be clear, there is absolutely no wrong way. If you want to buy games on blind faith, good luck to you. If you want to buy games on do a 
whole load of research and watch a thousand videos before you pull the trigger on a game, that's your prerogative. Anyone is a gamer who enjoys this hobby. I mean, the way you enjoy the hobby, there is no right or wrong way. I feel like we that disclaimer needs to be clear. <laughs> yeah. That being said, you're a lunatic, Jay. So <laughs> let's, let's go back to our fantasy dragon world, okay? Let's go back to our nice reality. I think it's nice that dragons have had a bad rap as well over the years yes. in games and this is flip that on its head a bit and the dragons are actually the heroes of the story rather than being things that just come in and ruin everything so they, they do specify nice that point. in the they do specify that in the lore of the game that it is a they are the cousins to the terrible warfaring <laughs> hoarding D-esque dragons that uh, we are known to deal with but um, yeah it's certainly it's only a nice little twist. It's nice to have an infinitely merchandisable, which is always a bonus. I think as well. The, uh, I, sorry, the one thing we've not mentioned no, is the no. amazing puns that make the game. Oh, there's a lot of puns. Oh, so oh, many puns. Criti critical roles, <laughs> so good. Oh, that's amazing. So much pun. I know. It's like don't give too many, don't be too punning and too many puns away. But for anybody that wants to play the game, just go and buy it just for the puns, because just every mm -hmm. single card that you turn over is an absolute delight. <laughs> And it just feels so like we need to give it a mention ones. before we um we, we end the podcast because it's one of the key points when you're playing it. It's all these amazing puns are everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is a very, very, very fair point. So that brings us to the end of Finecraft. And all that remains is to look at the scores and recall them into board game stats. Kay, what would you score Flamecraft? Flamecraft for us is a seven. It's a keeper. Um, but just to keep her, I think it's visual pleasing. It'll keep in the collection, and that's about number seven. Jay, tricky one because I don't want to go too high, <coughs> but it is one of our favourites. Are we doing point fives or are we all? Are we sticking to solid numbers? Uh, I give it an eight point five then. Oh I'd wow! Go, okay. I'd go bold with an eight point five because it is. It's just one of those that we do keep coming back to and it's an easy one to pick up and an easy one to teach other people and it looks great and everything we've basically said in this podcast is how I've come to an 8.5 but as I say I'm quite new to board gaming in comparison to a lot of people so I haven't played that many though there's probably ones that will unseat it eventually and I'll have realised I've gone mental with giving it an 8.5 but that's where I am at the minute. Okay. I would probably go to a, an 8 I think I think it's a good game. It's got enough strategy. I think it probably is surpassed by some other games. But I think it, what it's doing at the moment is creating a entry level worker placement game that is probably going to replace something like a Lords of Waterdeep or a Viticulture or uh, Champions of Midgard as an entry level worker placement game for me to introduce new people to the hobby. Because you can just go, this is the artwork, this is the theme. It's something new for you to bring in. And I know Kay is sort of going, really? Yeah, I, I can see your like, face pulling that. Lord, get rid of Lords of Waterdeep? Oh, gosh. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 not getting rid of it, but as an introduction. Not getting rid of it. I'm using Inter it as an introduction. Introduction I think sample, Lords, yeah. has a, Lords of Waterdeep, I think, has a little bit extra. Yeah. But I, if you're doing it as a worker, particularly if you put in the uh, Scoundrels of Skullport expansion, I think you have a little bit more, a little bit more depth in that, as opposed to where Flamecraft is at this exact moment in time. I think it's a very good intro worker placement game. I think if you want to introduce some of the mechanisms, you're introducing worker placements and order fulfillments and you know different variable setups and things like that. So it's it's simple enough to 
bring people into the hobby and a cute enough theme to do that, where you're not relying on the D&D theme of Lord of Warsteep, for example. Alright, so now that we have dissected this egg uh, to an inch of its life, it's time to put the lid back on the box and say thank you to our panel, uh, and for them to tell you where you can find them. Uh, Kay, where can we find you? You can find me at Geeky Meeples 3D Printing on Instagram and Facebook. And you can... You can search for Bucketless Gamers on Facebook or bucketlessgamers.com. We'll also take you to the the sister podcast to this one or the brother podcast, whichever way you're looking at it, uh, which is a video game podcast rather than an analog board game podcast. And if you like retro gaming and want to hear us talk about both the good and bad of a hundred games to play before you die list, that's probably the best place to do it. So, yeah, I'll get that little plug in there and... Um, I'm sure we'll do the same over there to plug this one as well. And I've been Luke Pickles, the Game Master for Eat, Crit and Survive, where some friends and I play some board games and D&D, and generally we just talk about gaming stuff and various things we do, including our Top of the Box series, where me and my friend are currently going through our Top 50 board games, and you can see some of our like Top 10 lists and different playthroughs that we do there. Uh, until next time, thank you very much for listening to the Bucket List Board Gamers, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.